Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. For a little bit here in a moment, um, but I want to uh, I want to take you uh, to the Gospel of of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, if you have your Bibles there. Man, we had an awesome time. Uh, we had a men's gathering yesterday, Brother Junior's house, and man, we had some fun, man. We had some fun. We had, we had a really good time, and, and after, after the d- devotion and the eating, uh, we, we hit the pool and we played, we played some pool basketball, and man, man some people almost drowned, man. <laughs> um, but it was, it, was, it was awesome, man. We got blisters all over our feet. And, everything but but praise God it's good to to gather with with men and I think I think yesterday was probably the biggest gathering that we had about 30 men came out and and that's hard to do in any church man get get a bunch of men to come out and 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 commune with each other right um so praise God for that guys if you have any friends outside of the church man bring them to those things bring them to that men's conference that we're going to be having August 19th okay and if you haven't registered register you can, you can do so um, at, on the website, mindinwithchurch.com, so, .org slash men's talk, and, and register there because, uh, man, we're, we're going to have an awesome time in, in God's presence. Amen. We're building some kingdom men. Amen. Uh, are you there? John chapter 4. Amen. Verses 19 through 24. This is a passage of scripture that I have spoken on many, many, many times. I think I even spoke on it recently. Um, it's the story of, of the Samaritan woman and her dialogue with Jesus. I just think it's one of the most profound um, dialogues that we see in, in Scripture. I, I love it so much. And I don't want to focus so much on her story today. Rather, I want to focus on what Jesus says about worship. And uh, so, so this is after, you know, Jesus called her out for having five husbands. And, and uh, she, 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 she changes the subject. You know, sometimes when God calls us out, we like to change the subject, right? We like to, we like to ignore it. And so that, that's, that's what she does. Um, John 4, 19, we're, we're starting right there. It says, the, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. See, she's changing the subject. But you see, uh, you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, somebody say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is what? Seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for this word that you've spoken of your servant. My God, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you just be on my lips, my God, and that you allow our hearts to be receptive, our minds to be receptive to what it is that you have for us here this day, my God, because this is your word, Father God. This is not my word, but yours, my God. And I pray, Lord, healing happened this morning, freedom, redemption, salvation in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, sit down, and, and with that, give, give God a, a, a clap of, of praise real quick, man. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to preach this morning. Every time I, I skip a Sunday, I'm, I get antsy, and I'm very grateful for Pastor Damaris last week who, who gave that word on the Holy Spirit, an awesome word, and, 
And, you know, they, 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 uh, she asks, well, I, I think I, I, I sent her a text. Uh, I said, hey, great word. And, and uh, she, she responded with, you know, everybody wants feedback, you know. And, and uh, I think she said, do you feel like it was too much for people? And I said, well, or actually, Pastor Melissa said it first. She beat me to it. But we were, we were going to say the same thing. Uh, we said that's what the word of God is for some people. It's, it's a little too much for, for people. Um, but if we try to conform it to, to our liking, then we're never really going to change, right? The message of Jesus was offensive, right? And he knew it was offensive. And he said, blessed are those who are not offended by me because this is going to be an offensive message, but you don't have to take it as an offense. You can take it as, as, as something that has the power to change you, right? So I, I'm very grateful for, for that word yesterday or uh, last week. But God has really been... For a few months, man, uh, really kind of tugging on my on my on my spirit to really bring uh, a, a series of messages on on worship, on worship. And so that's what I want to do over the next just couple of weeks. Um, I want to I want to talk about worship because worship is what we do, right? Worship is 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 how we are to live our lives and. And my, my goal is that you would have a very thorough understanding of, of what true worship is. I think most of us do. But I think worship is one of those things that kind of gets cheapened. You know, like, like, uh, like the word love, right? Like the more you use it, the more you assign it to other things, the cheaper it kind of gets. And so when we're, when we're talking about the agape love of, of, of God, um, and we're still associating that word with our love for pizza, right? It's like... It gets a little cheapened. And so I think, I think worship is, is kind of like that. We, the, the way that we view worship is very narrow. We, we, we view it in terms of, of, of church worship, right? Worship songs, worship dance, worship service, nights of worship, right? It, it's kind of tied to, to temple worship. Uh, is really what it comes down to. Um, so when, whenever we think about worship, it's something that you think happens at church, right? And so I entitled my message this morning, Temple. The temple really does, you know, it, it really does play a significant part in worship, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, I, I want to say, because this is a real, this is a real problem. Like, I don't know if you realize it, but this is a real problem. I've heard it many, many times. People have asked me, people have come to me and, and, and kind of just self-doubt, and they've expressed this idea to me that, that they don't know how to worship when they come to to church. And they, they feel bad because they don't, they don't really know how to go through the motions. They don't, they've never, it's new to them. Just like if, if you were to find me at a club, I wouldn't know what I'm doing there. Like I just, what, how do, what do I do here? <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pastor that used to say that, you know, a Christian is in the club when everybody else is going like this and the Christian is going like this, right? <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I'd be like, alaba Dios, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, but some people, in the same way, they come to church, they've never been to church, they don't, they don't really know what it is to lift up their hands. Why are people lifting up their hands? Why, why, why are people shouting? Why are people crying? Why are people dance, dancing? What is making them move? What is, what is making people excited? What is making them shout? What is this? Is there, what, what, it's, it's the Kool-Aid. There's something in the Kool-Aid. They call it Jesus Kool-Aid. What is it? They, they don't understand how to worship. They don't know. And, you know, for me... 
as a, as a pastor, and I think I can speak for every pastor just in general, I think most pastors would agree that, that we would love it if everybody in the congregation would just know how to worship. Like everybody's singing, everybody's, everybody's jumping, everybody's filling the altars, everybody, there's, there's, that, there's that contagious excitement, that worship. When I, like, when I see Brother Edward, he's like this, I'm like, oh, I think I can do that too, right? And, and I just, and, and it's, it's contagious, but, but, and that's what I want. That's what I think every, every pastor wants to see their congregation, just everybody, hands up, voices raised, I mean, and the Holy Spirit just moving in a mighty way, Amen. What pastor doesn't want that? But you know, one of my prayers over the, over the past several years when I first became the pastor, I said, God, I don't want to just be, a, I don't want to just be a church for the church people. I don't want to, I don't want to be playing church. I don't know how long you have me here, but I don't, I, if, if I'm going to be here, I want us to, I want us to matter. I want us to do what you have called us to do as, as a church. And so I, I prayed for growth and, and, and spiritual growth and, and numerical growth and growth in every direction that, that God wishes to see growth. And, and you know, we've shared this with, with the, the, our leaders, the pastoral team. Like, I've shared it with the church. We've had the Vision Sundays. Last Vision Sunday, like, everybody had COVID, so, like, nobody was here. But um, I still shared it, so you can go back and listen to it. Um, but but that, is, that, that is one of the... My heart's desires is to see this community grow in, in zeal and, 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 in, and in their knowledge and the word of God. Um, and then last year, we, be, we began to see God really starting to answer those prayers. We saw a lot of people come to Jesus, a lot of people going through that, the, the, the new believers. And, and we had a lot of new faces, right? And, and, and if, you, if you were kind of, maybe you stopped coming to church for a while, but you had been coming, you know, many years ago. And then you came, like you would be the visitor, Right? And, and, and they'd be like, well, who are all these people? I don't, I don't know any of them. It's because God began to answer those, those prayers and praise God for it. Um, but, but when God started to answer that prayer, it came with an unwanted consequence. Now people were filling the building, but not all of them knew how to worship. And just being honest, I found myself a lot of times frustrated because, you know, people weren't. They weren't coming to the altars. Like, you had to, like, drag them to the altars. You have to do, like, five different altar calls. People weren't filling the room with their voices. People weren't singing. People were just, you know, just kind of just there. And it was frustrating because I'm a, I'm a worship leader at heart. That's my first love, man, is, is worship ministry. And I just, I want everybody to, I want us to just congregate and, and worship together. That's why I love those nights of worship, man, because you got the worshipers coming out. And, man, we, it's amazing. But we weren't getting that every Sunday morning. And, and God really had to teach me something. That it's, it's something I had to learn. It's not my job. It's not the job of pastors or preachers or even worship leaders to police people into worship. It's our job to invite. That's all I can do is extend an invitation to you to worship God. But if I'm aggressive in it, if I'm like, you better put your hands up and worship Jesus, Right. That that is worship that is not coming out of your own heart. It's it's coming out of a fear of of being the only one not worshiping. And that's not what we want at church. We want we want the true worshipers to arise. We want worship from within to just come out raw and authentic. We want songs to be sung from the soul, not just from the lips. That's what we desire. But God had to teach me that. He said, Ryan, you, you, you prayed for this. 
You were praying for people, for, 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 for unchurched people to come into church and receive Jesus. Now they have to learn how to worship. Stop being frustrated. And so that's something I had to learn. New Christians aren't going to learn, aren't going to know how to worship. They have to learn. Now, if you're a more seasoned Christian, maybe you grew up in the church. It's very difficult sometimes for, uh, for us to, to understand how some people just don't know how to worship. Like, because to us, it's obvious, right? You come into the house of God and you raise your hands and, and you cry during worship and you respond with, with all the time, right? When, when, when the pastor says, God is good. And, and you shout at the exciting uh, parts of scripture. Like, that, that's, that's what we do. It's obvious. But, but if that, listen, this is what I want you to get. If that is what we're projecting as worship, people aren't going to learn what true worship is. Instead, we will just have taught them how to be parrots. Shout when everybody else shouts. Lift up your hands when everybody else's hands are raised. Cry a little bit when you're telling a testimony. Clap when the pastor says clap. Like, I'm sorry, that, that's, that's not what true worship is. And that's not, the true wor- that's not the worship that God is seeking. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. It's kind of like small kids, man. You see small kids during worship sometimes. And they're just like, they're just straight face, like, like this. <laughs> like so disinterested. When Layla was younger, like her, I was so excited for her to attend her very first night of worship because I was like, man, if, it's, if she experiences it the way that I do, she's going to just be and just awestruck by, by God from this day forward. And so she was like four years old. I was like so excited for her to attend. And, and, and then I, I asked her about it after, after the, the service. And I was, in my mind, what I was hoping for was her to say, Dad, I, I, I just, I can't describe it. I had tingles all over my body. And I, I felt, I, I heard somebody say, Layla, Layla. And I looked around and no one was there. And I was going to be like, baby, that was the Holy Spirit calling you to something great. But I asked her, what did you think about it? She said, it was really loud. That was, I was like, okay, anything else? No, it was just really loud. Um, but that's, 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 how many, that's how many people start out in the church, a lot of, especially young people. Honestly, when I was preaching at the youth camp, I had to ask Pastor Renee, hey, are they usually quiet during, worship, during youth services? Because I like, the, I like the excitement a little bit. You know, when I preach, I like the, the positive reinforcement. I like the amens. And, uh, but, but, but to some people, that just doesn't come naturally. And so what we've done in churches is we've unintentionally made people feel bad about being too quiet. If you're too quiet, it's because you're not fired up for Jesus. Come on. Do we not? I mean, I heard that every, every single youth convention I went to. You need to shout for some joy. And I'm like, I don't, don't want to shout right now. I love Jesus, but I don't really want to yell. You know? If you're not crying at the altars, the Holy Spirit didn't touch you, and you better come back, and I want to see some tears this time. And it's like, we've unintentionally confused congregational worship with true worship. And it's not the same thing, man. We're a Pentecostal church. We, we, love, we love to see that. We love to see that. But there is also, there's often that pressure to, uh, to produce that when it doesn't come naturally to you because you see someone else worshiping next to you and you're like, I got to emulate that. And so what we have is a superficial worship. And that's not what God is looking for. He's looking for true worship. And so in this dialogue with the Samaritan woman, Jesus drops some very incredibly profound things on her. They're arguing about the place 
of temple worship. See, the Jews had long expected it to be uh, in, in, in Jerusalem, the holy city, and the Samaritans believed it to be on Mount Gerizim. And so they're talking about this, and, and, and Jesus says, you know what, woman, it's, it's neither here nor there. He says, the hour is coming and is now here when, tr- when the true worshipers will worship the Father, not so much in a temple, but in spirit. We've dissected this many Time before, but I want to focus on that word spirit because Jesus, I want you to understand, man, Jesus is shattering some cultural views of worship here. Because throughout history, temple worship has been such a really big thing in many religions, right? Not just in Christianity, Judaism. Temple worship is big in the Buddhist community. It's big in, in, in Hinduism and in Islam. And today, it's big in the Christian community. I mean, we're here gathered on a Sunday morning at, at the temple, so Jesus is really shattering this cultural norm by saying the temple or, or the geographical location of true worship is irrelevant. It's not about where. And the word that Jesus uses for worship, there's two main verbs, uh, I'm sorry, two main words uh, for, for worship in the Greek. The one that he uses here is proskuneo. Proskuneo means to bow down. It's a sign of submission. Sign of devotion and reverence. This, this, is, this is what you would do anytime you would enter the temple. You would bow down. They didn't, they didn't even have benches. They didn't have seating. You would, you would kneel. That's what you would do to show reverence for the presence of God. And we are to do this still, right? We, we should show reverence anytime we enter this building because this is a place of worship. These altars, they represent the the holy of holies where sacrifices are made to God. But Jesus was saying something deep here. He's saying there is coming a day and it is now here where the geographical location of the temple won't matter because people will worship in spirit. Okay, so now now think about that and think about the literal word that Jesus is using, which means to, to bow down, right? Bow down. Can I tell you that this is, anybody can do this. This is easy. Except, I'm sorry, dad, my dad can't do it. He just had knee surgery. <laughs> but for most of us, it, it, it's pretty easy to, to do this, right? And when we do it, especially at church, man, when, when we do it together, when we bow before the, the presence of God, Congregationally, it's, it's beautiful, man. It's powerful. And then when we sing that song, Yeshua, we're honoring the name of God and we're bowing down before God. And, 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 and it's a beautiful thing, but sometimes I wonder how, how easy is it for us to, to do this here in front of other Christians at church, but we haven't bowed and submitted to God in here. Anybody could do this. Can you do it here? Anybody can worship God in public. Can you do it in private when no one sees it? This is why Jesus said it is, it is in the spirit that you shall worship because nobody sees your spirit. It's hiding. You can hide it really well. You can, you can put on this, this, this facade of a, of a true worshiper when you come to church because people are seeing you, but your spirit, nobody can see. You can conceal that. And so maybe I can, I can project a true sign of worship when I bow before God, but my spirit is not in submission. And that's what Jesus is saying. 
You can, you can worship God at church as an outwardly sign of worship, but inwardly you've not submitted. That is not true worship. You can, you can be, listen, you can be the most polished Christian dressing in your Sunday best. You can pray when you enter the building. You can keep the, 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 the church clean as a way to show honor to God's house. You can tell those kids whenever you see them running, stop running. This is the house of God. Right. And when I was a kid, bro, there was some deacons that put the fear of God in us. If you were here long enough, uh, you remember we had Hermano Rios. We had uh, Hermano Reyes. We had all of the hermanos and they were they were hardcore. Man, like you couldn't even giggle at church, man, without feeling their their piercing eyes. And that's good. That's good to have respect for God, for the church. That, that's an aspect of worship. But if you have a, a rebellious spirit. Whatever you do in the temple doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. So, so Jesus is saying true worship is, 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 is not just something that happens at church. It has to happen in your spirit. And now the Apostle Paul, he says something that ties all of this together when he's talking to the Corinthians. He's addressing divisions in the church and, and how we're all a part of the same body, the same kingdom. And he says, do you not know that you are God's temple? And, and that God's spirit dwells in you. Let me read that again. Do you not know, this is 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 3.16. I think I have it up here, but no one's back there. So, <laughs> where's everybody at? Amen. It says, thank you, my brother. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? It dwells in you. See the, spirit, see, see, the spirit isn't confined to a building, right? He dwells in the life of the believer. If you think going to church means you're here to visit God, you're missing the point. Because the Holy Spirit is to dwell inside of you. Paul says if anybody destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. How do you destroy God's temple? By defiling it. By, by filling it with things that don't belong, by occupying sin in your temple. That's the way that you destroy God's temple. So, so if your temple becomes a place where you just store junk, like every, every church has a, has a junk room, right? Except, except for ours, right? We got like two or three. No, no. But every church has a place where they need to store stuff because you just, you need stuff, right? But if your spirit, if your spiritual temple is a place where you just store junk, Sin, gossip, envy, anger, you are defiling your temple. Paul says, for God's temple is holy. It is holy. And then he says, you are that temple. You are that temple, church. I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself as a temple. Because when we think of temple, we think of steeple. We think of, we think of a place. We think of a, of a building. Paul is saying, you are a temple. You are the temple. Paul is speaking to this audience who understands the significance of temples. They understand it. They, 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 were, they were revered. They were respected. I mean, in the Old Testament, you couldn't even enter the, the, the inner depths of the temple. Right? I mean, sometimes even the high priest would go in there. You weren't, you're not sure if he's even going to come out. He could come out dead. So there was great reverence, great fear for the temple because it was a holy place. 
This place, this building is a holy place. It, is, it should be honored and respected. But Paul says, you think that the temple is holy, start acting like it because you are the temple. You know how we always say, um, we always say, well, if you, if, you, if you keep your house clean, but you can't keep the Lord's house clean, what does that say about your respect for God, for, for, for God's house? Right? And in the book of Haggai, actually, the people are rebuked because they've been paying so much attention to, to themselves and, and they've been building themselves these houses, but, but the, the temple of God was lying in ruins. Here, Paul is flipping it. He's talking to people who understand the sanctity of the temple, but they've neglected their own house where the spirit dwells. If you can't worship God in spirit, church, meaning you can't submit yourself to God, you can't submit your your inner emotions to God, you can't submit your pride to God, you can't submit your time to God, you can't submit your anger to God, you can't submit your resentment to God, you can't submit anything to God in your spirit doesn't matter if you come in here and say, Lord, I surrender to you. And the songs that we sing are beautiful, but they're only a representation of something that should be true. You can sing songs and say, God, I surrender to you and I surrender all. And you can say that. But if your heart isn't rendered to God, you're just going through the motions. You're just going through the motions, but your temple is compromised. This is probably why Jesus says when you pray. Do it by yourself. Go into a closet. Go, in, go into, don't be like the hypocrites who like to be shouting on the, at the synagogues and everybody knows that they're, what they're there to do. When you're praying, go by yourself. He says, when you fast, you don't need to tell everybody. You need to tell everybody when you're fasting. I'm fasting tomorrow. I'm so hungry. Sometimes I, I, really, I really wonder why we feel the need to tell people I'm fasting. And, and, unless there's obviously like a, like a reason, right? But if you're telling me that you're fasting, I, I, what, do you, what do you want? Like, I, I could admire that, but my admiration means nothing. It's nothing. It, it, it's the equivalent of It's the equivalent of me demonstrating to the world how much I love my wife. Can you come here, babe? Come here, babe. I love love her. She's so pretty. No, we'll be right here. Look. Amen. We both wear our wedding rings. We we, we hold hands and and, and we we love each other. I'm going to give you a little kissy. A little nose kissy? No? Okay. It's the equivalent of, of me, you know, showing you how much I love my wife. And, and we take, you know, we take pictures together. We take all these selfies and we do all the hashtags. And, we, and I just, I paint this picture to you that, man, I'm in love with my wife. But if we go home and we have no relationship there, we never talk. Or the only time that we talk is to fight. And we're always, man, I, she's got me sleeping on the couch. Like if, if that, <laughs> if that's the reality, everything that I'm projecting to you is fake. And you can admire it and you can like it and you can, you can say hashtag couple goals or power, power couple and you can do all that stuff, but it's fake. It's fake. And I don't want anybody here thinking this morning that, that, you, that true worship is equated with, with emotions. 
It's, it's what happens in here. It's what happens in here. If, if I can love my wife in, in public but not in private, it's not love. And it's the same with God. If you can only worship God in public but not in private, that's not true worship. And if you can only worship God in private but not in public, then maybe you're ashamed of him. But the truth is wherever you go, wherever you go, your spirit is with you. You don't leave your spirit at church. You don't leave your spirit at the house. Wherever you go, your spirit is with you. Therefore, everywhere you go, whether private or public, you should be able to worship God. You know why? Because you are a walking temple. You are not called to go to holy places. You are called to be holy. Man, I mean, we, we really miss the point of what Paul says about being the temple. Because... Listen, you wouldn't bring a foul mouth in here, right? You would check that at the door. Oh, let me, let me not say the words that I usually say at church. Let me really think about them. You're like, you know, I'm going to leave my cigarettes in the car. You wouldn't bring certain things in here. You wouldn't bring certain movies that you watch into this temple. You wouldn't bring certain music that you listen to into this temple. But if you're letting all those things into your temple, you've missed the point. You missed the point. You're just playing church. And, and, and some of us, man, you know what? I'll even say most of us, we have more respect for this building than we do for this. Maybe you pick up trash whenever you see it on the foyer or here under the, under the seats. And, and thank you. Keep doing that. Don't just leave it there. But meanwhile... You're content with leaving your spirit full of trash. True worship, true worship is when you have that same reverence, that reverence that you have for our temple that you do for your spiritual temple. True worship is when you can submit to God and spirit the same way that you submit to him in front of other people at church. This is the type of worship that God sees. Can I, can I get some keys, baby? Jesus says that the Father is seeking this type of worship. He's looking for it. He's looking for it. Will you be the one to provide it? I want to get personal real quick, just just with you. God is seeking your true worship. He is seeking you to worship in spirit. Will you be the one to say, God, I will do it? It's going to go past a Sunday morning. It's going to go past a worship song. It's going to be taken into my home. It's going to be taken into the workplace. It's going to be taken into my, 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 my friends' groups. It's going to be taken out into the world because that is where my spirit is. Wherever my spirit is will be in submission to you. God is seeking it. He is seeking this type of worship. He's always sought this type of worship. In the Old Testament, God would repeatedly reject the sacrifices of people given in vain because they were offering sacrifices, but their hearts were far from him. God is seeking a people who would be, who would be holy because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of them. That's what he's looking for. God is looking for people who would inhabit his spirit, not simply visit his spirit. And in a second, I want to I invite you to 
to come. And I want us, I want us to have a moment of worship, not, not yet, but in, in a moment. I want us just to worship. And please don't regard anything that I just said, okay? God isn't looking for your worship to be, to be louder. Like if you're a loud person, then praise God loudly, okay? <laughs> yes, sister. But God, God isn't looking, he's not looking for, for the motions. He's not looking for that. If that's what comes natural to you, then, then, then praise God, do it. Commune with God in that way by all means, but God isn't looking for a show. We feel like sometimes we have to entertain God. God isn't like man. We're visual. We have to see things. We can't see the depths of the heart. I can't see your thoughts. I can't see what's in your spirit. I can't see what you're thinking. I can't see what your intentions are. And so instead, I have to see what you show me physically. That doesn't translate the same way with God because God is what? Spirit. You don't worship him in the same way that you would commune with someone physically. He's a spirit. He can see your spirit. He can see your thoughts. He can see your frustrations. He can can see what you're going through. He can see your past. He can see your present. He can see your future. He can see all of that. He's not looking for a show. He's looking for your submission in your heart. I'm tired of, 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 of preachers and pastors and worship leaders, and I'll include myself in this. I'm tired of us feeling like we need to be hype men for Jesus. So instead, I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite you in a moment, in a moment, not yet, but just in a moment. I want to make that invitation. You know what these altars represent. They represent a place of self-sacrifice, devotion. It, rep- it represents a place of encounter. Do you know that when you come to the altars, I man, you, you encounter God in a mighty way because you're stepping out and you're saying, God, I want to find you. And this is a, a place where, where healing has happened, where prophetic words have been given, where deliverances have taken place, where people have found Jesus. Chains have been broken at these altars. But it's nothing if your spirit isn't already rendered to him. I want to end it with this quote from Jesus here in John chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. But Jesus had just finished cleansing out the temple, the physical temple, because it was being used as a marketplace. And Jesus, he goes in and he's angry and he's flipping tables and he's flipping the money changers. And, and he, he says, don't make my father's house a house of trade. And the Jews ask him for a sign for the messianic claims that he's making. They're always asking for a sign for Jesus to perform some, some type of miracle so, so that they could have proof that he is who he says that he is. And Jesus says this. He says, John chapter 2, 19, he says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, well, it has taken 40 years to build this temple. And you're going to raise it in three days? Verse 21 says, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. This is the very this is the first time in scripture that we see the temple personified. First time that we see it personified to, to a, a person. 
Jesus is calling his temple, or Jesus is calling his body his temple. Now, nobody understood what he was saying. They didn't understand it. Because what they saw physically was a structure. But Jesus was speaking about his body. And when Jesus died, he took away the need for that physical temple to be the only place where you would find the Father. I'm not saying you don't need the church. Don't, don't. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying he took away the need for the temple to be the only thing that inhabits the presence of God. Because when he raised to life three days later, Jesus brought fellowship back with the Father. And now we have access to the Father through the Son Jesus who went to the cross and died but didn't say in the grave, rose again. And now we have access. And now we've been adopted into this family that is the body of Christ. And now, thank God, you can worship him anywhere. You have access to him anywhere, at work, in your car, when you're at bed, in your dreams. If you're in a ditch somewhere and you only have five minutes left to live, you can find God because of the power of Jesus destroying his body so that you could be raised with him. can find God anywhere anywhere and some of you have found him in the darkest moments of your life some of you have found him in the hospital room some of you have found him in the valley you don't have you don't need a physical temple you are that temple you are that temple you are that temple Worship, church, worship. True, genuine, raw worship is when we submit to him in our spirit. Keep this holy. Keep this clean. Keep this humble. Keep it, keep it rendered to God. And then what will result is a fire at these altars. What will result is a contagious worship. I still remember seeing people worship God in a way that I wanted to worship him. I remember desiring so much that 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 zeal and people were were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was a po- point in my life where I just I didn't feel it. I just I was like, "Why can't I have that?" And it's because my spirit hadn't surrendered to God. See, this place, the altars are, you can't just turn on the engine and expect it to be ready to go. Sometimes in, when we used to live in Colorado, my, my dad would have to wake up early in the morning before going to work and he would warm up the car because it was you know, below zero and, and he had to defrost everything and he, he couldn't just get in there and just turn on the car and leave. He had to spend some time warming it up so that by the time he's ready to go, he could go. And if you've been looking for that zeal here at church, you've been looking for to be able to worship him in just in a way that you have you desire so much but you can't get there, it's because at home you need to have your spirit ready 
so that by the time you come here, you're ready to go. And it's easy. God is looking for true worshipers. True worshipers. Let your spirit bow down before him. Let your spirit bow down before him. I want you to stand this morning. Let your spirit submit to the presence of God. My God, right now I pray over this body, Lord. I pray that we as individuals would would look at ourselves, my God, the way that you see us, Father. We are called to be holy, not just to go to holy places. We are called to inhabit holiness, purity, zeal, love, compassion. Your presence, your spirit is within us, my God. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit who is in us. Let us not cause harm to the spirit who, is, who lives within us. Let us feed ourselves things of spiritual nutrients because we are your temple and we submit before you, my God. I'm going to have the worship team sing something in church. I'm just going to want it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.